0: I decided to start sharing the main lessons I have learned from working with over a dozen first clients. These people adopted the monthly method for at least a month, and I've learned some major lessons from their experience. One of the main ones is dream big, but go small. And today's episode is dedicated to this first lesson. Let's go. Welcome to the monthly method podcast. This is a show for solopreneurs, creators, and artists who have a burning desire to launch a project. This is for a project that is not urgent, but truly important. The one your best life depends on. Your host, Paulina B. is a certified Scrum Master. She brings a proven record of launching successful projects, both professional and personal. You will hear about tested techniques that lead to calm, consistency, and results. Stay tuned to turn your idea into reality one month at a time. The phrase, dream big but go small, comes from the One Thing podcast, which I highly recommend listening to. And I think they borrowed this phrase from the One Thing book, which I also recommend reading. I've heard this phrase so many times, but I think I've never actually comprehended the level of wisdom until I started working with clients. As I mentioned in the introduction, at the time of the recording of this episode, I have worked with over a dozen clients, and one common theme kept popping up. I found out that there are three groups of people. The ones who set huge goals for the sprint, the ones who set realistic goals for the sprint, and the ones who set ridiculously small goals for the sprint. And here's what happened to each group of people every single time. People with huge goals were the ones who wanted to run 10K every day when they haven't gone for a run in the last two years. Those were the ones who wanted to read a book every week without opening up a book since high school. And don't get me wrong here. I am not blaming or shaming these people. In fact, I can pretty much relate to them. I definitely used to be one of them. It's the new year, new me resolution crowd, which I can say that I belong to this crowd not so far ago. Me, after watching an inspiring movie or a YouTube video, the logic here is that the new me will be born tomorrow and there is absolutely zero regard for what I did yesterday, a week before. It's like... No account for the past me, it's only focusing on the future me. Who cares? Because tomorrow is a new life and I get to build a new life from scratch, and who cares what I did yesterday? And the majority of people attracted to the self development world fall under this category. So, most of the people who come and work with me, set huge, enormous goals, don't really analyze what happened in the past, just, you know, let's move forward, let's do it. The second group of people, they set realistic goals. At least that's how they think. They've probably attempted to pursue these goals in the past. They got some progress but fell off the wagon and now they want to return to what they were doing before. And then I have my favorite group, the ones who set up ridiculously small goals. And I'm not saying for all the goals. In this episode, I want to focus on the habit goals. So they set ridiculously small targets for their daily habits. In case you don't know, under the monthly method, you can work on one habit per category. Korean growth, health and key relationships, and the quality of life. So you get to pick one habit that you want to focus on for the duration of the sprint. Other goals need to be project-based. And so this group of people, they set a goal for their habit that is so small, it's almost laughable when you look at it on the paper. So those are the three groups that I realize exist. And can you guess which group experiences the highest completion rates and the overall progress throughout the sprint? It's the third group. Who experiences the least success? It's the first group. Who do you think sees the major change in their lives from just one month of doing the monthly method? It's the third group. Who do you think signs up every single month after the first sprint? the third group and that's why i like this group so much and for me returning clients are the best measure of success theoretically speaking my clients can be tricked into signing up for the first month you know the marketing or whatever even though i don't do a lot of marketing whatever you can be tricked you might not have enough information and False expectations. So let's say you signed up for the first month, but for you to return and sign up for the second month and for the third month and for the fourth month, you have to see measurable results from the monthly method. There is no way you can be tricked into being a returning customer. I think the biggest measure of success is the number of returning clients. And guess what? Who are my returning clients? All of them belong to the third group, but you might be thinking, but wait, Paulina, they set such low goals. Of course they achieve them, but there is not much progress to be made when your goals are so small. And here's where you're wrong, my friend. And let me explain why. So let's look at the overachievers, the first group of people, the ones with the new life starting tomorrow, the go big or go home crowd the white-knuckling enthusiasts, the no pain, no gain quotes printed out and taped to the wall. And this is how the monthly method experience goes for them. They set enormous goals in each of the categories. They don't consider what they've done in the past up till this point. And, you know, we have the sprint plan, okay, and then we go and we break it down into the weekly plan, and they start implementing the weekly plan, and guess what? They are burned out by the third day. Honestly, I think Wednesdays is when everyone breaks down who belong to this first group. They are burned out so much, they don't even have the energy to do any of the quality of life fun activities. Again, if you don't understand what's going on with all these categories, check out monthlymethod.com, download the free guide, it will explain everything. And the most popular phrase that I hear when I discuss this first week is, I've fallen off the wagon. Where is the wagon? What wagon? There is no wagon to fall off of. And again, let's say the burnout happened on Wednesday and they didn't do much on Wednesday. Then it's Thursday but they've already missed a day and they think it's not worth starting now. It's not going to be perfect. The streak is broken. They think that they've broken the chain and that beautiful habit tracking tool they've created for themselves now looks so ugly with all the empty boxes. It's not even worth trying. All of that. There are a lot of perfectionists, in this crowd as well. And that's when I recommend doing fact versus fiction analysis. Have you noticed that all of the thoughts that I've mentioned before is fiction and not a fact? I think I've talked about the fact versus fiction exercise on this podcast before, but if not, here it is. Let's look at each thought. The first one, I've already missed a day. It's not worth starting now. Okay, the one about missing a day, that's a fact. We can all agree on that. If we go to court tomorrow, there is going to be zero controversy about the statement. We can all agree that on Wednesday, you did nothing towards your goal. Okay, that's a fact. Then, the second sentence. It's not worth starting now. Well, that is... Fiction. Bring 10 people into a room and everyone will have a different opinion on whether it's worth starting again. It's fiction. It's not a fact. Okay, let's move on. The next thought, it's not going to be perfect. Well, probably I would say this is a fact. But so what? So what that it's not perfect? Here's my favorite question from one of the previous episodes, what's the alternative? Okay, it's not going to be perfect, but what's the alternative here? Throw in the towel and do nothing? Is nothing really better than imperfect? The next thought. That beautiful habit tracking tool I've created looks ugly with empty boxes. Again, this is fiction, not a fact. I think it will look beautiful the more you use it because it will tell a story with all the empty boxes. That's my fiction. That's how I prefer to look at this world. Again, because my story is very different than yours, we can agree that it's not a fact, it's a fiction. The next thought, it's not even worth trying. Again, fiction, not a fact. This is just an opinion, so why do you believe it as if it was a fact? So, don't believe all the thoughts that are happening in your head. A lot of them are just fiction. It's an opinion. It's not a fact, but we believe it as if it was a fact. It's not a good strategy. Okay, listen. Huge expectations are a great place to hide. It's very convenient To set these huge expectations about yourself and your life starting tomorrow, you have a legit excuse not to do anything. So, instead of actually, you know, going and doing the work, your expectations are so high, you attempt maybe one time, two times, but then you do nothing. Instead, you do all the emotional self pitching You just keep thinking... I'm not good enough, I'm lazy, I'm a loser, I can never commit to anything, I'm super lazy, I can never get it done. So huge expectations, they make you feel like you're working because you keep thinking these horrible thoughts but you're actually not doing anything. And when I work with my clients, I don't allow them to talk like that about themselves and they feel weird. Because without the option to do all the self-bitching, they are just left with the fact that they didn't do what they said they're going to do. They are left with the fact and not the fiction. Because all the self-bitching is the fiction. It's not a fact. And when you remove an option to tell horrible things about yourself, then it's weird. It's so weird for a lot of them. And if they're willing to stay there for a bit, then they can actually realize the benefit of going smaller on their goals. It's like when you don't have an option to think that you're a horrible person, lazy, non-productive, never getting anything done, and you're just left with the facts. It's like, did they do this? Or did they not do that? Then you can actually look at it realistically and set the goals that you can actually accomplish. Let's look at like measurable results: kilometers, dollars. I don't know whatever you want to measure. Let's use running as an example. An overachiever would set a goal of running 10k every day. He would go on a run on Monday and Tuesday, and then the burnout, and then all the self-bitching happens, and the perfectionism, and all of that. The total result that we have is 20 kilometers and the never-ending thoughts of I'm a failure, I can never get anything done, the self-punishment, all all of that, all the icky stuff. So, is it really worth it for 20 kilometers to go that route of setting this ridiculous goal and then ruining your mood and your self-image with all those horrible thoughts? I don't think so, okay. Now, let's look at the realists. Let's look at the second group. What differentiates them from the overachievers is that they actually look at what they've done up to this point and adjust their expectations accordingly. Let's look at the running example again. Maybe they used to run consistently at university and now they want to get back to the same form or they tried to build running habit a few months ago. It wasn't successful, but it wasn't a complete failure either. You know, this type of goals. And I think it is an improvement from the first group. At least they don't have an illusion that tomorrow a new them will wake up and start a new life. They realize that it will be them who will wake up tomorrow and will need to do all the work. It's a huge improvement compared to the overachievers. And in terms of outcome, there are usually two outcomes that can happen. Number one, roaring success, and number two, the icky in between. And your previous experience with this particular habit is what dictates the outcome. Let's look at real examples from real clients of mine to help me explain what I mean here. So first we have Nick. Hi, Nick. I know you're listening, so hi. One of the habits he was working on last sprint was intermittent fasting. In particular, the 22-2 split. It's very ambitious for a beginner, and I would never recommend that split if you're just starting out. But what was different with Nick is that he used to do this split before, and he was comfortable with it, and he just wanted to get back into the same habit. He was successful with this habit before, and that's why he was successful with it now. Another example, a client of mine used to meditate a lot and now he wants to get back into meditation. He was really good at this habit before and now it is very easy for him to return to the same habit again. So what I came to realize after observing my clients is that your previous experience with this habit is what dictates the outcome. And as I said, there are two potential outcomes, the roaring success and the eek in between. And the two examples that I gave you so far illustrate the success outcome. Because these clients were successful with their habit before, now it's really easy for them to get back into the same routine. The icky in between happens when your previous experience with the habit was the icky in between as well. When it wasn't a success and it wasn't really a failure, it was 50-50, you know? Maybe out of 30 days in the month, you did this habit 15 times. If your completion rate for this particular habit wasn't good before, you need to analyze why and change your habit accordingly. That's why we do sprint reviews every month with our clients in order to avoid repeating the same mistakes over and over again. If you were not fully successful doing this habit before, it needs to be changed. Maybe it needs to be smaller. Maybe you need to change the location or the time of when you do this habit. Something needs to change. If you just simply copy-paste the same habit to your next sprint, you will copy-paste the results as well. There is nothing wrong with being a realist, especially when it comes to getting back to certain activities you were successful doing before. But if you want to start something new, I recommend going ridiculously small and blowing your mind off with the results you achieve. Okay, now let's look at group three. This is the most successful group of clients, the dream big, but go small crowd. And again, let's come back at the running example and see how they would approach this habit. This group would say that putting on running shoes and walking around the block is already a success when you are trying to build a running habit. This is a group of people who aim at just opening up a textbook and reading one page versus reading an entire 30 page chapter. This is a group that wants to do just 15 minutes of deep focus per day instead of five hours. Why do I like working with this group so, so much? The main reason is that they're the happiest clients out of all three groups. They come to our weekly calls and they say things like, I was aiming for just 15 minutes of deep work on Thursday, but guess what? I ended up doing two hours and finished my tax return that I've been procrastinating on for the last three months. These are the stories that they tell me and they're super happy about it. Or I hear things like, I've never been so consistent and deliberate at spending quality time with my kids every single night. Or they say things like, I had the best sleep ever from just a single habit of turning off the TV at 10 p.m. Just the simplest habit, and yet the person is having the best sleep ever. And here's the thing, I like measurable results, and that's what the monthly method delivers, but what's most important here is that they develop a new self-image and a new identity. They are becoming the people who cross things out who show up for their goals. Who cares how small the goals are? The main point is that you are becoming the person who shows up for their goals every single day. And it's amazing to see the level of self-confidence rising from week to week. It's like I'm talking with new people every single week. So, instead of practicing the self-bitching and thinking I'm not good enough, what these people practice is self-confidence and thinking I am the person who shows up for my goals. And let's do the thought experiment here. Who do you think will have a much bigger progress in their life one year from now? The one who practiced the I'm not good enough, thinking, or the one who practiced, I am the person who shows up for my goal thinking. Again, they blow their mind off with the results that they're able to achieve. And then of course, they come back and sign up again. And the next sprint, they are able to make this habit a bit bigger and make daily progress on that bigger goal as well. And let's look at the real results here from real clients. So, I have a client who set a goal of just doing 15 minutes of deep-focus work per day, and he ended up doing, by my estimates, at least an hour a day for the past few weeks. It's not that, you know, I'm trying to trick you into doing more. Even if you did the 15 minutes that you planned on doing, you had built a habit around it. This particular client, he built a habit he didn't do an hour every single day sometimes it was just 15 minutes but he built a habit and he does it every day at the same time now he has a habit that he will benefit from for the rest of his life I just want to give you a real life example from my client and show you how we went from being in the first group of overachievers into actually bringing this client into the third group of setting small goals and the results that he had from transitioning between the groups. I didn't really have a permission to use his real name. Let's call him Mike. Mike came to me with a request to start studying for a medical exam. He needed to study a lot to pass this test. And he tried different approaches, different productivity methods, but nothing seemed to work for him. For the first week, the goal was to read one chapter of a textbook and complete notes from that chapter every workday. So Monday to Friday, read the chapter, do all the notes, and that was the habit that he was trying to build. Little did they know that these medical textbooks are humongous and it takes about two to three hours to just read the chapter and then you need more time to do proper notes and all of that. So we're talking, I don't know, three, four hours of work involved in just processing one chapter. Guess how many times did he complete this goal during that week? Exactly one. So he did it on, I think we had a call on Tuesday. So he did it on Wednesday. Then the burnout happened and all of that. During our second week call, I got to learn how long it actually takes to finish each chapter. And of course I recommended going smaller. We decided to focus on just 30 minutes of reading per day. So instead of four hours, we decided to do 30 minutes. Guess how many days did he read for 30 minutes? I think it was two or three. And listen, just so you know, for me, it's not a sign that there is something wrong with my client or that he is a terrible person. No, I don't judge my clients like that. For me, it's just a sign that the habit is still big and we need to break it down even further or we have to work on the mindset. But that's another topic for another day and so in this particular case i realized that 30 minutes was again too big because the completion rate was two or three out of five week three we decided to focus on the very first domino on the smallest one and after doing a little analysis together a little brainstorming we realized that the thing that prevented him from studying was that he arrived late to work and his mornings were quite hectic. We came up with the solution to build a habit to pack everything he needs the night before and also create a checklist for his morning tasks so that he doesn't really have to think too much during his mornings, it's very smooth. He doesn't have to waste his brain power on these little things, and then he can preserve all this deep focus and willpower and brain power for his studying. It literally took him 10 minutes total to do all of that the night before, to pack his backpack, lay out his clothes, and write down a checklist on a piece of paper. And have you noticed there's nothing in this habit that says that he needs to study, except for the fact that he needs to put a textbook in his backpack when he packs the night before. We have no agenda for studying when we are working on this goal. And the result? He was able to stick with this habit for six days out of seven, which is a great completion rate. Again, we're not looking for perfection here. And six out of seven, that's huge success and guess what he was even able to study that week he studied more during that third week than any previous weeks when studying was actually the habit he was trying to focus on even before he started working with me and i think this is a great example that illustrates that if you keep on being stubborn and if you keep on setting study goals for yourself. Even though you see very little progress, you will not succeed. But if you're willing to be flexible and go smaller, you will be able to see your progress much sooner. As, as in Mike's example here, he was stubborn and he wanted to study for so long and there was little progress, but then he decided to be flexible and say, okay, let me try this pack the night before habit. And, and when he engaged in that habit, the studying took care of itself. He actually studied more during the week where he wasn't focusing on studying than he did during all the weeks that he did focus on studying. So dream big, go small, my friends. Don't be ashamed to start small. Because what's the alternative? To start big and burn out by Wednesday and never attempt at this goal again? I hope it's not your strategy, especially after listening to this episode. Okay, if you want to set goals of the right size that will deliver measurable results one month at a time, check out monthlymethod.com. The link is provided in the show notes. That's it for today. Have a great week, everyone. Please subscribe if you want to have a freshly baked episode delivered to you next Monday. Hey, before you go, I just wanted to let you know that I'm now working with clients all over the world, one-on-one. If you want to see the outstanding measurable results they get in just three short weeks, I invite you to check out monthlymethod.com. The link is provided in the show notes. The Monthly Method is a scrum-based productivity system designed to achieve your goals without consuming all the energy and hours of a day so that you can have a life you don't need to escape from. If you are ready to quit the hustle culture and bring more intentionality into your life, head out to monthlymethod.com. This is the place where working overtime is not required. Cheers!